I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, or one-size-fits-all quick-fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Yo, yo, we are live in the Red podcast with me, Anthony Hart, with all of our listeners, viewers. Today is our first one on Facebook. Usually I just go record. So you're the first face they'll see besides my own. Yes. Um, And I'm excited to have my bro, my friend. My ministry partner, all the things, Ranjit Abraham, with me today, live from India. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of you did not get a chance to listen to our service yesterday, um, brought an amazing word, and I got a chance to just share a little bit on, on my Facebook page today. But um, here on In the Red Podcast, this is as much about you and I as it is the viewers and the listeners on the other side of this. I want this to be a conversation. So it's been a little break since I've been on here. I've taken a little bit of hiatus. Uh, I've been struggling. Maybe I'm an overthinker. You know, we spent some time <laughs> talking on that about direction and where this goes. Um, but with you being in town, I felt like this was the perfect jumping back on point uh, for me to get back in the game, as my wife continues to tell me. But I have a, an amazing opportunity to sit down with you and and catch this. Let somebody be a fly on the wall. Yeah. So I just want to spend some time with you today. Let's do it. So this is my friend Runjeet Abraham. For those of you that are not watching, only listening, you're going to hear a different bit of a voice. He is coming from India, has an amazing story background like me, preacher's kid. Um, but I want to begin this with Runjeet. How'd you get here? And that's a very open question. So, uh, I think I got here on a plane. But how did I get here in life? I would say that... Uh, I think the world has conditioned us to think that people require you to be A, B, C, D in order for you to be successful. Like we almost have a a, a recipe for success, but I feel God is still in the business of picking up underdogs. Mm. And that's why I'm here. That's how I got here. I am that underdog story. And you now involved in ministry and you like me, preacher's kid. So everybody seeing us in ministry now would almost assume that it was from day one, yeah. you were going to be in ministry. Like your dad's a pastor. Of course, you were going to be a pastor. But I've talked about my story on here before. I tried to run as far away from it as possible. Yeah. Was it the same thing for you? Most definitely, I think, because um, I don't know how it is in, it is in this country. But in uh, in India, it's a very it's a very daunting task to have a pastor as your father. because there's no personal space. There's no time for family. There's no, uh, you always have to be uh, in in character. A small town church in Arkansas is the exact same way. 
<laughs> yes. So then you know exactly what I'm feeling. So you always that pressure of always people thinking that uh, you need to talk like this, you need to walk like this. Why is he wearing this? Why is he talking like this? Why is he not doing this? Why is he doing this? Just too much for me to handle. And especially for me, I think growing up, I wasn't trying to uh, impress those kind of people because I was just trying to have fun, enjoy my life. So I was not really attracted by uh, justifying my actions to them and why, what, you know, and trying to fit into the mold. So I think that that's completely like what you said. It's like we're not we're not trying to be all of those things that people want us to be. So I was I tell everybody even now I was probably the latest bloomer in ministry because I only stepped into full time ministry when I was 27 years old. So I've never I've never even got on stage of my church except in India we have this thing that every year when you have your birthday if you get up on stage you have to tell everybody my mom will push me every year since I was a kid tell and this is what we have to say we have to get on the stage and we have to say I want to thank God for giving me this opportunity he gave me one more year that he blessed me and he gave me good health and strength <laughs> please pray for me and that's it that's all it was so you come over here and you preach these sermons over here but you're not doing that over there uh yeah. Not back in the day, but now I am. Now you are, but back in the day. Yeah, I was the same way growing up as a kid. Oh, no. Zero desire to be on the stage. Zero desire and zero, like what I said, zero probability of being the guy who could be that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they view my dad as this charismatic, powerful, pioneer. And I'm like... <laughs> not not, not real <laughs> promising. <laughs> Oh, what's up with the run? Oh, little run G. He's cute. You want to play a keyboard or something? You can just go back yeah. over there. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, when, when Christian people, like, they, they don't want to tell you to your face that you suck, but they have a Christian way of being like, you know, God is so good. God is going to bless you. God, you know, God it's bless like her. A, it's God a bless pity, her heart. Pity bless her. Yeah. So God bless his heart. I used to get. <laughs> I used to get that all the time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I, I get that 100%. Church can put a lot of pressure on people, especially church families. I have a lot of family that have left church. Um, I've had friends that have been in ministry families that just have zero desire to be in church because of that pressure, like to be perfect. And yeah. I'm sure you as well as me. I know pastors who have left the ministry for the same reason for that fear of not being perfect. And just a couple of years ago here in America, even we had a pastor um, struggling and committed suicide the week after he preached. I, what I believe it was his suicide note. He was preaching a sermon series called a big mess. And the things he was saying from the stage in his sermon was exactly wow. what he was struggling in, but he didn't have anybody he could talk to about it other than to preach them to them about it took his life the very next week. So yeah, there, there was a, a very sense of perfection required to do ministry. And I think you, and I hope I represent this new group of people that says, you know what? Yeah, we came out of that. Um, and we want to stand out as being different and really help people realize that even the runs, even the ones that didn't want to do this, yeah. are now doing it because we feel called to it and to reach those people. And I think it's only at that point of time 
that it actually makes sense because otherwise because if there's no purpose involved in what you're doing you will never be happy in what you're doing yeah so until you know i'm sure you also during your journey and me too until we didn't find our purpose in doing it until that time until god calls you and you know and you feel that that is the calling upon your life i'm telling everyone who's hearing us please don't jump into ministry just because somebody told you that you you're a prophet or, and i see this all some guy some random guy said oh yeah you can be a preacher and you we take those kind of things seriously and and not take there's no mentor that we have there's no there's no calling that we've got from god there's no there's no accountability there and we just mm-hmm. get on this 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 weird track because somebody said something about what they saw or thought about us yes 100% we sit in church a lot you get these people who go from prophetic meeting to prophetic meeting just waiting for somebody to tell them that you're <laughs> destined for greatness and then they just shoot off like, oh, I'm going to do this. And it's like, there's a growth process. Yeah. How many mistakes, how many wrong decisions did you have to make along the way that now have established you to be able to minister to people making those same decisions? Mm, you know, I've always, and maybe this is because of my personality, maybe because I'm, I've always waited for the last opportunity for me to do something in the limelight so i was never and also because maybe i'm introverted in my truest nature but our work requires us to be hey how are you doing you know all of that right. but that's not what i'm i'm like 100% comfortable i i like talking to people that i like to talk to i don't like to talk to everybody like that you know what i'm saying yes so in that sense when i was coming up it was never like Okay, now I've arrived. I've decided I've I've got the call in ministry. So it's always I've I've like I was telling somebody, me coming into ministry, for me, it was me telling God, God, I'm available and I'm willing to put my effort and wherever, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to say yes. So that's how my ministry began. It began serving in the church, picking up speakers, you know, uh trying to trying to like when I went back to India. I remember we just had one keyboard and in that one keyboard I would play I would sing I would play bass on the left I would have the beats in the keyboard I would play keyboard on the right I would be the only singer with my sister me and her used to lead worship so it was like but we were still going to do it yeah we would set up the speakers we would set up the mixer we would have two small speakers no monitors nothing and we would go in because that's what that was my commitment like i want to give it all and i'm going to say yes to every opportunity to serve you in any capacity so because of that nobody had to like restrict me you know hey so i was never the guy like okay when am i going to preach now you know i've been i've been doing this for like 2 years now now what's in the next promotion you know i was just comfortable with unless and that's why i say i'm the i'm the complete underdog the first worship leader was not there the second worship leader was not there and then they're looking around who's left <laughs> just me okay you leave hey, you on the end of the bench come on and then god moves like that so one preacher is not there oh nobody's there guess what oh god we'll have to give pastor abraham's son an opportunity to 
And the my go put your dad's suit on and your big boy clothes and then come in here. And I used to get like in India we have those. Uh, I think my first preaching gigs used to be you know the last verses, the last words of Jesus. Mm. You know, like this is the last seven things he said. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So those were those were the those were that was my first sermon. I thirst. Mm. You get three minutes to speak about <laughs> I thirst. <laughs> <laughs> and because my dad was also, and I really appreciate that about him in hindsight, he was never, okay, he's my son, so he's going to get the stage. So whether he deserves it or doesn't deserve it, he's going to be, so he was not like that at all. He was like, it is what it is, you know, and you, you're, he always, like the word of God says, your gift will make room for you. Mm -hmm. That's good. And I think many a times we are trying to push our children our wives. Yes. But I always tell even my wife that, you know, God will open up. Your gift will make room for you and make you stand in front of leaders and kings. And that's what's happened to me. I think that's, I have a pen and three, th three things you said, but I want to start with this and work our way back. So I think what you're talking about is the power of who Jesus was, was the invitation. Yeah. We want to shove people into things. Yeah. Although he saw amazing things in those 12 men he invited to follow him. He saw what Peter was going to do before he did it. Yeah. He didn't say, Peter, you have to go because you have amazing things in you. He said, come follow me. Like, if you want to stay here and do this, that's fine. And you said something in your sermon yesterday, like, God doesn't need you. Yeah. And we love to be in a place where we're needed. And if I don't do this, God's not going to do it. And he's like, oh, you think that if you want, but that's not true. Yeah. I have a bigger plan in mind and I've invited you to be a part of it. Yeah. But if you're not, then somebody else will. Yeah. I have a pastor friend of mine who uh, lives in L.A. His name's Andrew Carter. And every day for I want to say it's like up around four to five hundred days now, every morning he gets up at like four or five o'clock in the morning, goes out to his car and goes live on Instagram and just has a word and praise. And recently our friend asked him, uh, was like, man, what do you, have you ever taken a day off? And he said, no, I can't because if I take a day off, God will put somebody else in that space. He said, I have a group of people who are connected and want And he said, I got to keep doing it. Yeah. I got to keep saying yes. Yes. So I think it's right where you're at is it's the power of invitation. I've been this way with my wife too. Like you have such an amazing voice. You have such a uh, ability to speak that she, and she doesn't see it in herself. I'm like you gotta go. And God's like, no, stop. Yeah. Just invite her. Yep. Continue to speak life into her. And I think that's for both of us. It came from different places. It yeah. wasn't necessarily my dad all the time because I was wired differently. It took people to speak life into me and the invitation from God said, yeah, it's still available. It took somebody that I barely knew to come in and say, have you ever felt the call to preach? And like, yeah, I ran from it for a long time. And he's like, yeah, God told me to tell you he's, it's mm -hmm. time to stop running. The invitation is still there. Yep. But you said, um, one of the things you said when you were talking, and from pastor's kids' perspectives, you said you just did all the things. You didn't. You weren't looking for the platform. Yeah. And I think we live in such a celebrity status place now. Facebook, social media, all things. Everybody wants to be in the limelight. Everybody wants to be up front. And I think we've lost the people who are just willing to come in and do. Yeah. When you, small town church, small ministry, when your dad was starting, it took all hands on deck. You pastor was putting chairs out. He was sweeping floors yep. and all that. So when I joined Parkway church, we were in where the calling really come back. 
I did everything from janitor, board member, softball coach, assistant, youth worker, like all the things. So I want you to speak to the heart of that because I think this is what the church is missing. Everybody wants to be out front, but it requires everybody to just do what God's called. Be perfect in your season, I think is the word. Yeah, I I think that, you know, when you when you truly, you know, how should I say this? But I'll, I'll start with the bomb, which is I really feel that many people are in ministry that should not really be in ministry. Mm. Yep. That's like the first point. So then you work your way back from that. So then you're always trying to validate what you think is your calling. Mm-hmm. And you that's why you feel that injustice has happened to you. Oh, the pastor is pushing me down. Or the pastor is sidelining me. Or the pastor is neglecting me. Or the people are neglecting me. They've let me go. But if your call and your desire was to serve God, all these things would never have an impact on your life. Mm. But they do. So if they do, that means you need to recheck your heart that are you really meant to be where you are? Because... That's not how, that's not biblical. Mm-mm. That's not what Jesus says. That's not how the disciples were. That's not any guy from David to Daniel to Esther. All those people, they were, they were doing things because they wanted to be there. And, and, and serving God was not a job. It wasn't, it wasn't a title that they wanted or required or needed to be validated. It was just we're doing it because for our love. And so it was stemming out of there. Now, I don't want to sound judgmental at all, but I'm just saying that it should, it's like a relationship with your wife, with my wife. I don't take her to date nights because I see, oh, dude, Anthony and Morgan are going out on a date night, so maybe I should. I I find any and every way to express my love for her, whether that be time or reading the, what are your love languages book, just so that we can figure out. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) So in the same way, I I just, I, I feel that we we need to really like i'm talking from a completely people who are called for ministry that i'm talking about that aspect of people specifically now it it is the the mandate of every believer to serve in some capacity that's a separate issue altogether but people who are called in ministry people who are in church doing ministry need to really check themselves and be like god is this about what i want to do or is it about what you want to do through me mm-hmm. and once that kind of revelation of perspective you receive then there's no ego involved yeah it's it goes back to you know you talk about the fivefold ministry the fivefold ministry was meant to be gifts to the church yeah and then we the problem is if in order to see yourself as a gift we find our value in the gift receiver not the gift giver correct i've given gifts to my kids and the gifts, the value of the true value is not based on the person I'm giving it to. Yeah. It's because of my value for them. And I've found value in this thing. Have you ever given a, a gift to somebody and the value lies in something deeper and a meaning and you give it to the wrong person and there's no value there. Right. But when you give it to the right person, there's a deeper understanding of the value to it. And I think as we talk about ministry now, these people who should find their value in the gift giver. So when they walk into these churches, into these ministry opportunities, if they're constantly seeking value in the people they're called to, you're not really a gift anymore. You, you, 
you bounce around. You're like, am I good? Am I not good? And I, it speaks volumes to where And especially at. in ministry in India, bro, it's like, I don't know how it is here, but at least you guys get like some sort of remuneration. But in India, you don't even get that. And it's the most unvalidating job you'll ever do in your life. You give your heart. You in India, we have we have to visit people. Anybody's sick, you have to go to their homes and pray for them. Anybody's uh, had some issue in their family, we have to go to their home. They go to the hospital, we have to be at the hospital. We have to conduct all of their their children's birthdays, go to their house. Their wife's anniversaries, go to their house. And they're not giving you a check when you show up for a funeral or when right? you preach a wedding. And they're giving we, you a handful of rice. We right? do all of these things, and they give us. It's not that we want to receive anything, right? But we do one thing wrong. Yeah, we. We missed one thing, and they're all ready to say that. Oh, we knew it that he was not, he was not uh, this. He's not like his father, you know. Mm. He doesn't have that heart of a pastor, or he doesn't have the anointing of his predecessors, or he's not, he's not like that church. And that's mm. what hurts, yeah, people in ministry the most. So, I, I have to be so focused. I'm talking personally. I do not care about what people say or think because if I start to care what people say or think, I am going to be so depressed. Yeah. My family is going to be so depressed. And that's what we always talk like me and my wife are always talking about when we hear, but we helped him. We made him, we, we, he slept in our, our house. We fed him for three days when nobody would take him in. Mm -hmm. And is he the one who's talking about us like this? But that's what, that's what you get to really know that God has called us. Mm. And, you know, one of the things about this podcast is I, I believe that this is going out to men and women who are in business. So, you know, not necessarily the ministry that many people are on a Sunday morning, but it's doing ministry in their businesses. And that can be even the same way is if you don't know who you're called to and the people you're serving and you can bounce around. What are people saying about me on social media? But when you really dial into your calling, what you, why you're doing it, I think your why has to be that. It's not of what you get in return for it. It's it's really why you're called to serve people yeah. in that capacity. And um, it's when you begin to give love, grace, mercy without expectation of anything in return. Because most, most, most definitely, like you know, I think the the truest and the purest form of the gospel is not just love, but it's selfless love. Mm. Yeah. You know, love that keeps no record of wrong. That is the only way we will really be able to make an impact in this world because I've got so many people and everywhere, you know, we go, uh, the, the most people that I've ever come back to me with other religious faiths is because they ask a simple question. Why would you do this? The word says you should do this, but you're not doing this. So then they automatically ask the question, do you want something from me? Mm. So when they ask that question, that's what opens the door for us to really talk about what we believe in, as opposed to, you know, hounding them with, which is not bad. You know, like, Jesus loves you. Jesus, he died for you. He cares for you. And he's waiting for you. His arms are wide open and no, and so on. And so on. and more than that, when they just feel that, why is he doing this? Mm. For me, why yeah. is he doing this for my family? He doesn't need to do that. So that that kind of selfless love is what I 
try to cultivate in mine and my family's life. I think we've become spoiled as Americans on this side because we've all heard about this Jesus guy. And depending on who you listen to, you, some people have a very jaded view of who Jesus is because of what church people have done in, yeah. in the name of Jesus. Or they've heard about this watered-down Jesus, or they just want him to be a man because they don't really want to have to think beyond that. But I know for you overseas in India, you encounter people who have never even heard this name before, have zero idea that the Bible. So when you stand in that gap and just give them something that they they don't deserve, or why are you treating me like this? I don't even know you. It opens a door for you to talk about something they've never even heard about. See, because the poorer and the more desperate people are, the more honestly and really they would respond to you. Like, for example, if you have a poor guy in India who has absolutely nothing and who's the lowest caste, who's all of those things, and then you have, and he is he is feeling the void of, of not having identity, having the hollow of no, no peace, no joy. And then you have a guy from the United States of America who has a Range Rover, who has a beautiful wife, who has a car, but he's facing the same problem as him. I don't have a Range Rover, so just say he wasn't pointing to me. He was just making a statement. <laughs> so when when both of them have the same issue, it is it is it is always that person who's going to respond first to you as opposed to you. Uh-huh. 100%. So that doesn't mean that people in this great country are not dealing with the same issues, which now are coming out because of COVID, where now we're calling it uh, anxiety, we're calling it depression, which are all facets of the fact that you need love. You need to be heard. You need hope. You need somebody to stand with you in your thick and thin. You need somebody to tell you that it's going to be okay. That's that's what all of these things are stemming from. Not that, uh, not that, not that I'm saying that there are obviously people who are dealing with medical things. That's not what I'm talking. About. But I'm saying people who are going in COVID. All the stuff that people are going through, mentioned mentally, emotionally, psychologically, is because. They were lonely, basically. A hundred percent. So when we reach down to those guys, like when you tell, that's why the gospel is so, so uh, powerful in India, because you take, you take a person who says in India, it's like, it's, they believe in reincarnation. They believe in caste system. They believe that you are the worst caste because that's what you were destined to be. Hmm. You are poor. Because you are destined to be poor. You're an untouchable because you're destined to be an untouchable. And let me put a cherry on top of that. That's how you're going to die. Then we come into the scene and we say, the world calls you untouchable. But my Bible says, men look at the outward appearance, but God looks at your heart. And this God loves you and accepts you the way you are. Come, let me, you come with me. Let's teach you. Let's equip you. Let's make you something out of your life. Mm. Let's change, change the darkness that has plagued you for all of your life to not only make you to we know to give your identity with Christ, but also give you the tools and equip you to become somebody in society. That's so, it. And I think that's I'm gonna touch a very sensitive subject here in America. Um, I think there's a lot of people that don't understand, but in the same way, our government can often do the same thing. Um, 
we can really, if we really want to get into the welfare system in our country, that that system has zero desire for those people to get out of that place. Yeah. Here's what you're worthy of. We're going to give you this. And there's a reason they keep them there. They don't give them education on how to overcome it. Uh, they don't encourage them to grow in their house, to get a better job, any of that. Just keep this because it keeps some amount of control and power. Over them. In the same way in your country, that's what people don't realize is you're not overturning just the religious cart. You're overturning world systems cards. Correct. That giving people value that they don't have to be stuck in this lower space. And I think even in America, that's what I want you to realize today is I, I love these conversations because although it's it's occurring in one part of the world in one way, it's occurring it's everywhere. In different ways. The lies of the enemy are the exact same lies being told through different versions. But it's the same thing. He's trying to suppress people of value, tell you you'll never be good enough. This is always what you're going to be. You're broken, jacked up, messed up, responsible for your own mistakes and decisions. You're just stuck here. And then there's this Jesus guy that comes and finds these 12 dudes working in their dad's job that's told you'll never be better than this by yeah. society. You can't be a rabbi. You're just going to go work for your pops. Yeah. And he goes and finds those 12 young men and says, let's go change the world. I see something you, you don't. And it's the continuous voice of the gospel is you're better than where he finds you. And I think that's the space across the board. We have to begin to question anything that puts us to a place and says, you'll never be this. If you have people in your corners and that's what they say to you, if they've defined you as this and they want you to be nothing more than a less than, you need to get out of that space. Walk away from those people because they're never going to allow you to get to a place that God sees you. If you're in systems and governments and polit your political parties, whatever it is that's holding you down, that's resigned you to a place of this, of this lower space, you need to begin to question things that are holding you back. Even in church, if you get into a place and you're just being pushed down, I just need you to do this. I don't need you to do anything else. Be very careful when people will lord power and authority over you to keep you somewhere. Because there's this God who loves you, sees you, that invites you to a place of purpose. Yeah. And I think we missed that. One of the last things I want to talk about, because I think this is so key in the world we live in, because we live in a world where we are driven by identities that we've been assigned. And a lot of it stems off emotions or feelings. And you said something earlier that I think is so powerful. You said, I'm introverted. What you didn't say is and I'm an introvert. And I think this speaks volumes to how many people in this world will, if they're not careful, allow adjectives to become their identity? Mm -hmm. You can be introverted and not be an introvert. You can be extroverted and not be an extrovert. It can be a piece of you, but it's not the whole of you. And I want you to speak to that a little bit because you talk about I'm introverted. And I'm I'm kind of a mixture of the both. Like if I'm by myself, I'm okay by myself. Like I can close my windows and my doors in my home and I could probably lock myself away for a couple of days Yeah, just to get a recharge in that space. However, if I'm in a room with somebody, I'll probably talk your ear off because yeah. I thrive in both places because I've realized I have to have a piece of both of those. I'm not going to let either one define who I am. So I want you to kind of talk from that introverted place, but not allowing adjectives to define. So, I think isn't isn't that what the world that's how the world controls you in a way you know what the world controls you by by putting seeds of what the world thinks that you are mm. and I think isn't that isn't that the biggest play that 
people are failing, uh, you know, in their personal lives, in their family lives and everything. Because at the end of like in India, we had these things like you guys don't have it in uh, in America. So it was a it was a culture shock when I was here. Like if you're in India, right, if you're if you're fat, right, mm-hmm. they'll call you a fatty. OK, if you're like bald, they'll be called a baldy. They're all looking for some flaw in you. And that's your recognition. Hey, beardy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, blacky. Yeah. Or brownie. Or, oh, you're a crow. Because everybody's trying. So in, in India, it was like a big, it was, it was like almost like a, they, they made us pretty thick skinned mm. when we were growing up. Right. You know, because it's like, they're, they're trying to find ways to, to give you an identity and that's how you're going to be defined as. Mm. Hey, look at that Ranjit, that blackie is here. Or look at that guy, uh, the beardy is here. Or they look at that guy, oh, oh, he's the limper is here. Quasimodo is here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Words like that. But the thing is that we, we, we subconsciously, we have taken all of these baggages and we have internalized it. And we have not really... Even when we become a believer or when we when we go into relationships, we we bring all that baggage into our relationships. Mm, so true. And that's what I feel that I believe as a believer, many people do that. Like, you know, I, I was talking about I was I, I've spoken about the fact that the most the most important thing that God wants to change. What is the most imp- the powerful, the most powerful thing in the face of the earth? is a human will, a human will, which is in our mind, because human will is bigger than the Holy Spirit, it's bigger than God, it's bigger than Jesus Christ, it's bigger than anything, because the human will could not stop man from sinning. Am I right? Mm -hmm. So in the same way, your mind is, why does it say in the word word that I don't want to lose my soul and gain the whole world? Why do they say that? Because see, we as believers, our body is in church, our spirit is saved, when we said Jesus come into my heart, but our mind still belongs to the devil. Mm. Our soul belongs to our devil. When I say our mind, like when we say we we read verses like Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. You know, when that heart, 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 heart. If you keep, I was researching that word. That is our subconscious mind, mm. not our conscious mind, but our subconscious mind, and that's what Jesus wants to enter into. But really, what a lot of people say that I give you my heart. They're giving him his feelings. We see it as our feelings, our emotions, and it's so much bigger. Than and because our subconscious mind is is all the things that have been repeated into our brain. Yes. Repetition is what makes our subconscious mind. If you kept on telling your child, you're a fool, 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 and that went into his mind, and then you're wondering at 18 years old, why does he think he's a fool? Yeah. Because it's a repetition. So then you need to really ask the Holy Spirit to come into your mind. So people's identity gets warped over memories and over instances and over over interactions. And then we just bleed that into our church. Whereas we are there, we believe in Jesus, but we don't want to give Jesus the access to change our inner core. It is what you said earlier. It is a shift to change from the inside out. Correct. We love for people to see our change on the outside. And the church has even become defined by it. 
as long as you start dressing like the church and dress up how you act and the things you do, that's what we're worried about. But realistically, a lot of those people change the outside and they're screaming on the inside because the outside is not a reflection of the change on their inside. It's just become. And both ways. Many people dress up crazy for the same reason. Like many people dress up super nice for the same reason. They hide what's going on inside. Yeah. So. I think that our our identity and all of the things that the world calls us, like they they define us by this is what we are. This is who your parents have been. Hence, you are that. This is how your wife was, or this is how your children are. I see so many. I see so many parents who have to face flack for what their children are. I'm like, what did they do for it? They they probably did the best they can, and something happened, went wrong, but. Now, tomorrow, God forbid, something happens to my son or my daughter. Now, I'm doing the best that I can as a parent to bring them to church, to make them to know God. But that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. So what what we, when we decide and when we consciously make an effort to be like, like that's what every day, every day I'm, I'm, I'm praying this, God, change the way I think. Change, because if I don't change the way I think, my responses are not going to change. The way I approach people is not going to change. The way I receive people is not going to change. All of those things are going to change when I let the Holy Spirit change me. Like I say, in a computer, if there's a virus, there are two things you can do. Either wipe out the hard drive or put an antivirus. Mm. An antivirus is you telling. One virus can beep. Don't talk like that. Don't be like that. Don't say that. That's a past. You're not like that anymore. Kill it right now. Mm. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in your mind. So that's what I'm I'm always conscious and I, I want to be aware of that on a daily basis. All the things that I'm, I'm not I'm far from from perfect, but I'm I want to be conscious of that. Yeah. And the church people say that just say this, do this, be this, and you're good because nobody knows. But you know, and that's the one voice that will challenge you. Um, Just over the last couple of weeks, I've I've met with so many people and I've said this quite often, but the hardest person to speak life into is you is the one staring back at you in the mirror because you know your mistakes, you know, your shortcomings, you know, where you are, you know, what you were called as a child, you know, all of those things. And it's the process of being undone, the process of removing those negative things out of your mind, out of your life, and begin to be restored in those and hear who God calls you. I think that's the beauty of this relationship he's called into. It's not an overnight, boom, you're perfect. It's, I've I've even took it to this place before. I think in church, we've we've had this broken mentality that the moment you're saved, because I think we're born in the beautiful image of God, but we're born into a broken world. So then we're immersed into languages and what people say about us and all the things. So when we finally meet Jesus, he gets the product of a messed up purpose because it was purpose. And then it just went through these, all these filters yeah, and yeah, messes. Yeah. So then we think, well, God's going to heal me and he's going to immediately take me back to a perfect purpose. But I think what really happens is most people go into this Jesus thing because of one or two things that they're really, I'm broken because of this. Uh, I've seen people who I cheated on my wife and I need something different in my life. So I'm willing to admit to that brokenness. So, but I think it's when you meet Jesus, he just grabs you by the hand and he doesn't walk away from that. He begins to walk you back through it. And as you trust him with the next thing, 
he walks into that says, okay, you don't have to do this alone anymore. Ranjit, I know they called you this, yeah. but this is not who you are. Let's go, let's go together. And we're going to stay here until we can get rid of this because this is not your identity. Correct. You may have been introverted, but you're not an introvert. I have something bigger for you. Yeah. Don't let that become an assignment on your life. And as you get through that space, then you go back to the next broken thing. And there's a lot of people who kind of slow down or just get happy with being okay or a little bit restored because of the hurt and the brokenness that some of these happen to go through and the really effects they had on their life and the really divergent paths they caused them to take. But I think when they, as God would love for you to trust him with everything day one, but he realizes we won't. So as we trust him with more and more, he just walks you back every step closer and closer, getting back to that initial purpose you were created so you can have the biggest impact. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of the relationship. You never have to walk through it alone. And the, the enemy out there wants you, wants you in that space of loneliness, isolation. Yeah. And to realize that's who Jesus is. He's not ashamed of you and disappointed in you and just throw your hand off and walk storm off like we would sometimes as parents when we get frustrated. Yeah. He's like, I'm still here. There's better for you. We just that's, keep walking. That's amazing that you said that, you know, and that when you find Jesus, you, I think the more you, because he will only ask you, do you want to address those issues? And when we say, yes, we want to address those issues. So they could be the penultimate issues. Yeah. Then when we seek him, yes, I want to trust you more. I want to give you more of my life. And he takes you deeper and deeper and deeper but many times that's that's not a easy process to go through no it requires us to walk to take those moments with the disciples he invited them to follow and the more time they spent with him they realized that they wanted to be more like him there's something different about that dude i want to be more like him yeah and i think that's where we miss it because we don't have this physical person here walking with us but that's why the purpose of the word it's the purpose yeah. of us as christians we need to live lives that are closer to him so we're not out there using his name in vain hurting people in his name yeah and truly seeking out what that looks like for us so we can be the difference makers so people can see something in us different so we can be that outstretched hand that invitation to not have to do it alone yes sir well bro you know i love you to death i'm I've been excited just in the small amount of time we get to spend together. Can't wait till next year. May, Morgan and I are coming to India yep. uh, to spend some time on your end of the globe. Um, Let's do it. So cool. Tell them how people can get connected with you um, through your ministry if they want to support it. I never want to leave a space. You know, if I have this platform for a reason, it's to, to help you in any way that I can. Uh, I think if any of you want to check out what we do, go to Christforindia.com. I N not dot org, not dot com, not dot anything else, but Christ for India, one word dot in, and it will showcase and show you what we do in the nation of India. And if not anything else, please uh, pray for my nation, India, pray for the people, beautiful people, and pray that the, the good news of Jesus Christ may reach the nation of India and his love may be visible in a tangible way through all the believers in the nation of India and through your prayers, may his light shine in the darkest places in India. Thank you all for joining us again for another episode of in the red. I look forward to next time. God bless. And if we're going to do it, let's do it together. Let's go. Mm -hmm.